This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com ES Audio From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Leader. We're on the brink of what are expected to be the most severe tube strikes in London for five years. The whole underground is expected to be forced to close on Tuesday and Thursday as members of the RMT union strike over jobs, pensions and working conditions. It's thought the disruption could continue into Wednesday and Friday and cost an already struggling TfL around £20 million in fares income. But what does this latest action mean for TfL going forward? And can London's mayor resolve the disputes between union members and the government? The Evening Standard's City Hall editor Ross Lydell joins me now. First of all, Ross, can you explain what this strike action is all about? There's two sticking points, if you like, two reasons why the RMT balloted its members and why about 10,000 are expected to come out on strike on Tuesday and Thursday. The first is the perceived threat to pensions and the second is over the number of station staff. Now, on pensions, what is clear is that TfL currently has quite a generous pension scheme that for every £1 an employee puts into his or her pension pot, TfL puts in £6.66. Now that's a fantastic multiplier. It basically means that TfL almost contributes about a third of tube workers' salary into their own pension pot each year. In terms of pensions, this was all sort of set in train by Sadiq himself back at the end of 2020 when he commissioned an independent report into the funding of TfL and what the government then did in June last year when it first started to attach lots of conditions to the TfL bailouts where it basically said, well, look look what your independent report found. You've now got to act on that and do a proper review of the TfL pension scheme. So that's why we've got to this current standoff over pensions. The second point over station staffing is that TfL wants to cut the number of posts by 500 to 600, which would leave about 4,500 station staff. It says it has to do this again to save money under government requirements. And I understand on top of the strikes, there's actually a price hike starting tomorrow as well. Yes, that's right. On the tube and buses, there will be an average 4.8% rise in fares from tomorrow and on the national rail, 3.8%. So it's obviously rather ironic that on the day we're having to pay more for public transport, there'll be less public transport to actually use. 
um, which is uh, not great all round. The other problem is that uh, TfL is worried this will dampen what's been quite a positive uh, sign recently of people coming back to work, back to central London, back to their offices, as essentially all the uh, restrictions from the pandemic were lifted a week or so ago by Boris Johnson. The latest figures were that last Saturday, uh, tube passenger numbers were about 85% of what used to be happening on a Saturday pre-pandemic. And at times last Saturday, it was almost 90% of normal. TfL says, you know, these two strikes really couldn't have come at much of a worse time. Not only will they be two 24-hour strikes on Tuesday and Thursday, but there'll also be a knock-on impact early on Wednesday morning and early on Friday morning. So for those coming into London on those strike days, what other options are there for getting around the capital? If you do have to come into town, obviously the trains will be running, the mainline trains. The buses will still be running, but are expected to be very busy. It's expected that there'll be widespread road congestion because many people will hop in their cars. If you do have to come into town, TfL is seeing as well. well obviously, there's the Boris bikes and there are rental e-scooters for hire as well, if anybody fancies taking a ride in one of those or rely on sort of what we would see in Scotland, uh, Shanks's pony, just essentially walk where you have to once you get off a mainline train. So that, there are options, but the, the advice in general is work from home if you can. The RMT union who've organised the strikes have put the blame at the government's door for driving what they call a cuts agenda and engineering a crisis. What do you make of that? It's not unusual for the RMT to make political statements. It is, after all, a trade union that stands up very strongly for the rights of its members. I think the issue here is that uh, TfL has the challenge of trying to only run services now where there's demand for it. The government's position is that it doesn't want to use national taxpayers' money to enable TfL to run half-full buses or empty tube trains or overground trains late at night. London, compared to the rest of the country, is very well served with public transport. The current situation on the weekday is that tube capacity or tube passenger numbers rather, are only about 67% of pre-pandemic levels. So there's plenty of spare capacity as we stand. Essentially, TfL is running more trains just now than are needed. Sadiq Khan's position is that you've got to run these trains to encourage people to come back into town. But the government says, well, how long is this going to continue? It's costing a lot of money. And uh, I think both sides, both TfL and the government, believe that the whole working from home change brought in by the pandemic will mean that we'll never again see 100% of passenger numbers compared to pre-pandemic levels. So really TfL has to sort of cut its cloth accordingly. Now London's Mayor Sadiq Khan has been criticised by the GLA Conservatives over this latest action. What power does he have to stop strikes from happening? Well Sadiq is the chairman of Transport for London. So he is in charge of Transport for London. He can effectively direct uh, TfL officials to accept or decline a pay deal or uh, to settle a dispute. You know, this dispute is about pensions and about staff numbers. So Sadiq does have have it within his powers to uh, have a sort of political intervention and determine what should happen. However, I think it's important to say here that many of the things that have got the RMT upset and has brought its members out on strike uh, have essentially been dictated by the government both last June and last Friday in terms of the bailouts that it has 
awarded TfL to essentially keep services running as a consequence of the pandemic and the fallen income that TfL has seen. So these aren't necessarily changes that are driven by Sadiq. He does have power to influence them, but they're being driven more by the government than by Sadiq Khan. So does this throw up questions about the future of TfL? You know, when you consider its financial losses, the need for government bailouts, and also the hit it's taken over the pandemic. What I think the government has in mind is a sort of paired back TfL. It's ordered TfL that by April 2023, it must be breaking even on a day-to-day basis. It currently hasn't done that for a very long time. But looking forward, I think what the government envisages is a sort of paired back TfL, one where you don't have buses running with very few people on them and that you don't have as many routes. And similarly, that you don't run tube lines late at night or overground trains at unsocial hours when there's not a huge demand for them. And I think that's the, the vision of the way forward, because basically the government wants to ensure that while London gets a good service, that it doesn't sort of essentially use Uh, national taxpayer money for benefits that Londoners receive that are not received elsewhere in the country. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.